Blog Talk Radio. But uh, 
you know, it really fits in with the sacred feminine or divine feminine or goddess uh, because uh, one of the things that women have lost in patriarchy is, uh, and men too, uh, absolutely men too, you know, we have lost a sense of um, sensuality or sexuality as being sacred. You know, instead in patriarchy, um, you know, there's so much shame attached to it. And uh, I think it's really affected us in so many ways that um, you know isn't even talked about out in, um, in you know in regular society. I can't help but think if there wasn't so sh- much shame around sexuality, if we would have all the aggression and hate we have out there in the world. You know, when you uh, start to learn about partnership and uh, social science and human behavior, um, you know, you might learn about the. Uh, the apes called bonobos. Uh, they're actually uh, a group of, um, of, of, you know, I don't actually know whether they're considered gorillas, uh, and I hate to just say monkeys, but um, I don't know the, you know, what category bonobos actually are, so forgive me for that. But um, they are led by the women in their group, and uh, what they do when, you know, aggression rears its head uh, is they, they use, um, you know, sex and touching and things like that to sort of soothe the savage beast, if you will. And, um, you know, and that just sort of takes me back to my point that I think if there wasn't so much shame around sexuality in our culture, uh, if we embrace the sacredness, uh, if we embrace the pleasure um, that we teach in uh, goddess spirituality, you know, we teach it's okay to do that, that our bodies are our temples, uh, you know, they're not anything to be ashamed of, um, you know, that the world would really be a better place and I think people would be much happier and more content um, and you know maybe there wouldn't even be so much pervasive pornography so anyway I'm sorry I sort of went off on a rant here but I uh, felt like it was uh, important to say all of that and uh, I do want to say one other thing before we jump into the interview with Satya um, when we are done um, I have uh, something I want to share with you called knowledge is power who are your gatekeepers interesting yeah and if you were with me last week um, I shared the, you know these ideas about um, uh, crazy ideas from the past that stuck and the horrible consequences of those crazy ideas. And um, this week it's going to be about knowledge is power. Who are your gatekeepers? So anyway, I just bring last week up in case um, you missed it and want to hear that. I really got a lot of good feedback uh, from listeners, and uh, some people actually even asked me to send me a, send them a text of it so they could uh, share it around. But anyway. Um, Here we go. And if you're new to the show, uh, I am Karen Tate, and today it is my guilty pleasure as the host uh, uh, to be able to be the one asking the questions of Satya Leela as we discuss the energetics of love play. So, Satya, welcome uh, to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Thank you. It's so nice to be here, and I loved hearing what you said about the shame of sexuality and how that affects all of us on earth and that's something that I've believed for a really long time and it's one of the 
motivating factors for me to do this work because I think it will heal so much more than just people's individual sexuality, but to shift, have a paradigm shift of um, sex being sacred instead of shameful would be revolutionary for this earth. So I'm really glad you brought that up. I was just sitting here smiling at, at what you were saying. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, I've been teaching, uh, you know, goddess spirituality from the perspective of uh, deity archetype and ideas and values for a really long time. And, uh, you know, when you're in this, um, you know, you, you start to learn about, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons women need the sacred feminine in their lives because it helps them, you know, have a better um uh, relationship, you know, with their body, you know, whether that be their sacred bloods, you know, their menses every month or menopause or the difficulties of childbirth or, you know, all of these different things. But, uh, you know, sexuality is one of them. And, you know, there was a time when, uh, you know, people thought that, you know, a man and woman coming together, sacred sex was uh, a, a way for them to reach God and, uh, you know, we've just lost so much. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder if that's an idea that's um, come forward in any of your teachings, Satya. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think it's not a coincidence that when you have an orgasm, you go, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, yes, that is something that uh, I is very central to the teachings that sex, sexual sacred union is um, a pathway to the divine um, and w- working with energetics of love play, of, of love making. Um, there are techniques and, and intricacies of working with those energetics that basically lead you to this divine union with oneness with all that is with God or source or whatever you want to call that mystery that we all long for. Right, right, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I know, uh, you know, pagans of old, um, I mean, you know, they didn't have these taboos and shame around sex. I mean, they actually had rituals where for the fertility of the land, um, you know, the husband and wife who owned the property would go out and actually have sex on the land, you know, as like a, a prayer to God to uh, yeah. You know, make sure the crops crops grew and the animals were fertile. You know, um, and, yeah. it, and it's <laughs> it's just uh, so funny. You know, it's all um, you know been turned on its head and it's gotten so warped. Um, and you know, you think about where that's led things. Um, you know, the you know sort of the insidious nature of some people. You know, to use sex as a weapon or to hurt other people and. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really do believe it's just, it's all in the conditioning, you know, what we learn mm-hmm. uh, as kids or from the pulpit or, or whatever. But, um, Satya, how did you get into this? Um, you know, uh, what brought you to it? And, um, and then I want you to explain for listeners who... Um, you know, maybe wondering if they know what you're going to talk about. What are the, you know, what is energetics of love play? Okay. Um, 
let me start with that because I think that um, it, it'll make everything else make a little bit more sense. Um, the, the usual view of sex is that it's a physical act. Your body parts are rubbing together or touch is happening. Sometimes people expand that. Often people expand that into it's an emotional act where it's an expression of love from the heart. And that's all true. But there is a whole other dimension to lovemaking that uh, is energetic. And um, it, bringing the awareness of those energetics to the physical act of lovemaking changes it and deepens it tremendously. And it's basically about um, there, the awareness that there are pathways in the body. Uh, acupuncturists call them meridians. Yogis call them nadis. Um, but there are like energetic pathways that energy moves, channels of energy. You can imagine them like an, an easy way to imagine a, a pathway is to imagine that there's a... Um, central channel going up right in front of your spine that carries light and energy up out through the top of your head, starting at your perineum and going up to the top of your head. That's one of the main channels. So um, the, uh, sexual energetics includes practices that um, take advantage of how the energy moves through your body and also with being able to hook into universal flows of energy uh, that are bigger than the body. Um, and sexual arousal activates the energies of the body and gives you a lot more energy to work with. And you can consciously direct that energy and move it to different places with um, intention, um, like, a, like an intention we were just talking about was to... Um, to have a, a divine union, you can direct the energies to particular places in your body that facilitate that um, that intention for divine union. Um, and it gives you a different experience of sexuality. There's more full body awakening and a, a deeper spiritual opening. Um, there are techniques that enhance and shape a connection between a couple and it can be done with or without a partner. There's, there's a lot of solo practices that are quite delicious as well. And um, I, I got into it um, about over 30 years ago. I've been teaching for 30 years, so it was probably 27 or 28 years ago. I got into it. I was in a relationship that was really struggling sexually. We were very mismatched. And um, we came to the, we took a Tantra workshop um, and um, I felt like I was coming home again. I felt like, oh, this is amazing. This is, um, it was, it was a spiritual path that included sex, which was such a big part of who, I was, um, I was like, yeah, <laughs> you get to have sex too. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so uh, it was, my first path had been um, the Wiccan pagan uh, goddess worship. And 
this was still honoring the feminine, but it was bringing the sexuality in too. So that really spoke to me. And ultimately, that relationship uh, didn't last, but it the it got me into this deep study of the sacred sexuality that has lasted the rest of my life. And a few years ago, my partner and I started, even after all this 30 years of teaching and all that, um, my partner and I started experiencing some difficulties personally ourselves. I had gotten really sensitive. Uh, My energies had awakened tremendously through a lot of seclusion and meditation and and um i was i was just incredibly sensitive and he was having a hard time learning how to approach me and i uh you know he would touch me and it wouldn't feel right and i would kind of say mm, no that you know and pull away and um i didn't handle it all that well i was a little bit snappy sometimes and rejecting and cold to him and it there was this one day where this the cycle happened again where he approached and I flinched and didn't it didn't work and and um I we pulled apart we were still in the same room and I and he was just sitting I just looked at him he was sitting on the edge of the bed and he was all with this long face and he just looked like he was in despair and my heart broke because uh, we had had such a beautiful connection sexually it was a big part of our relationship and and I just missed it so much and I saw how he was suffering and uh, right then and there I decided I've got to shift this and I um, I uh, you know, we made an agreement that we would start working with it together again and, and restore what we had. And uh, it made me start analyzing what the the energetics were a lot more closely because that was where we were breaking down is because my sensitivities were so strong, the energetics were not um, matching. You know, we we had to learn how to connect energetically before we connected physically and uh, I'm happy to say that it was there was a lot of exploration and well this is a this this is what doesn't work there was a lot of that (laughs) and that taught me what did did work and we came through it and now we're at a place where we we have the most amazing sexual encounters they just there was like there was a a moment a few months ago where um, he was pleasuring me, and all of a sudden, I I just shifted into this field of light. It's like my body dissolved, and I was floating in this incredible, beautiful white light, and uh, I just dissolved into this timeless state, and it, it was so incredibly pleasurable and beautiful and it has really stayed with me it was it was that's that's what god is to me is floating in that light and um we you know we have our connection is restored we we go around 
grabbing each other's butts in the kitchen and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, see, seeing, feeling it firsthand, my own experience of having to work through um, it not working and what a joy it is to have it working again has given me even more motivation to share this with other people. Um, okay. I had to go to a deeper level with it myself. Okay. And, well, and I would imagine as uh, listeners hear you talk and describe that experience, you have lots of envious listeners out there. Um, but, uh, you know, just to be clear, I think, if if I understand right, you're talking beyond just uh, genitals touching or, uh, oh, yeah. you know, the act of intercourse. You're You're talking about something totally different. Yes. Yes, uh, it is energetic, and ener- energetics are uh, really uh, controlled mostly by attention and intention. Paying attention to what you feel in your body, you can be you can be uh, not even touching and have an energetic orgasm just through breathing. Um, you can just through. Um, intentionally running the energy through your body. The physical touch in, intensifies it, and it gives you um, a lot more fuel to work with. I, um, it's, I, a lot of times I use a, a metaphor of a rocket ship, and the sexual energy is like the, the fire that, at the bottom of the rocket that blasts you off into space. But the rocket itself detaches from the fire and uh, just keeps going. And that's the energetic part of it. So one of the things that um, is really great about working with energetics is that no matter what your body, what shape your body is in, you can still have energetic connection. You can still, you can can have just feather-light touch um, very slow movement, stillness, and uh, you can you can adapt to challenges in the body. Um, uh, you know, like low energy or body pain or stiffness, or um, as people get older, sexual dysfunctions like erectile dysfunction or pain with intercourse or things like that. You can you can let go of the physical and still have an energetic connection that is juicy and yummy and delicious. So it's, it's and pretty it, amazing. And, well, and I heard you say earlier um, that you can also achieve this if you're without a partner on, on, on your own, yes. correct? Yes, yes, yes. And that's a beautiful thing to keep your energy moving yourself. Uh, you know, the sexual energy is life force energy it gives you vitality it gives you aliveness it makes everything flow it's like a a lubricant for life to have that energy flowing in your body it keeps you in tune with the flows of the universe and so if you are alone a solo practitioner you can tend to yourself you can care for yourself you can love yourself you can you can have a beautiful um, sacred sexual communion with yourself 
you could do it in front of a mirror. That's a lovely way to do it. Look into your eyes and say, I love you to yourself as you're pleasuring yourself. That's a really sweet way to um, to have a um, self-loving, self-pleasuring uh, ritual is to... Um, yeah, use a mirror. If you or just let your touch touch your whole body and love your whole body and and um, direct the energy through your body um, through movement and breath and um, it just keeps it all flowing. It's really, really, really feels good. So Satya, so say you're someone who this idea of energetics is new, and energetics can be subtle. Um, how mm-hmm. can they start to um, recognize that uh, that what that energetics uh, feels like? You know, to know that they're you know actually doing something, feeling something, and maybe not mm-hmm. just. I don't know, deluding themselves. Um, I, right. I hate to put it that way, but, but but you know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, this I isn't something that everybody um, ha- has awareness of or uh, has maybe experienced before. Right, that's true. And one thing that um, I, I tell people, I've worked, I've heard that question a lot with people I work with. I don't feel anything. How do I know anything's happening? And um, one thing I tell them is that um, your mind is often the last to know. The energy is happening. Um, if, if you're putting your intention and attention on energy movement, it is happening whether, whether you've learned to recognize it or not. And uh, so it is more about learning to recognize what it feels like. And you're right, it is subtle sometimes. The easiest way to feel it is to work with the central channel that I mentioned earlier, the, the pathway that right, goes right through the center of the body, right in front of the spinal column. Um, and it's a, it's a pathway that's probably about two inches in diameter. And um, it, um, there's an energy center in the pelvis. I'm going to keep this really simplified. It's very complex, but I'm going to just give the basics here so it's not too confusing. There's an energy center in the pelvis where the sexual energy lives when it's dormant. When you start feeling the sexual energy move, uh, when you start feeling turned on, that's sexual energy. And you can... Um, you can imagine that you're taking a deep breath and drawing the energy up that channel like you're sucking something up a straw. And just imagine that you're drawing the energy up through the center of your body. And you, and you can say draw it up to your heart. That's a good place to draw it because it's always good to open up your heart. It just brings you more love. And... Um, so you take a breath and feel your chest open with your breath, and you can you may feel a heart the heart opening up. There's an energetic heart as well as a physical heart. It's called chakras, and um, you may feel a sense of energy moving up, like a sense of a rushing feeling, 
that's one way you would feel it physically. Uh, you may feel heat. You may feel tingling. You may not feel those things, but you may feel kind of just a, a sense of movement or opening. Um, those, are, those are the kind of little beginning indicators that something's happening. And again, it's, it's, um, you can trust that energy is moving and uh, it's, it's about activating your awareness of that energy that, you know, it takes, it's like um, you, when, when we're not taught about energy as we're growing up, which most of us aren't, I had a client last week whose mother taught him to run energy when he was a three-year-old standing in the shower, and I was thinking, God, wouldn't it be nice if everybody did that, you know? <laughs> right, What a right. different world. <laughs> but most people... Yeah. Um, most people don't get taught that, so we don't learn to recognize it. It's like if nobody ever pointed out something and said, this is the color blue, would you see blue? You know, so it's, right. about, uh, it's about activating your awareness of something that is already there and trusting that you are in that process of activation. And I would imagine that, well, I mean, there's probably a lot of different practices, but I would imagine that at some point maybe you direct that energy to the genitals or, um, you know, for stimulation, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Well, that's where you start because that's where the energy starts. Um, mm-hmm. there, are, there are most of the practices start with um Focusing as well, that's not, that's not completely true. Um, the energetics, it, I'm getting too com- there's too much complication here to try to let me try to distill this down. The, the energetics, yeah, keep it simple. Uh, st- yeah, <laughs> the energetics usually start at the genitals, and most of the practices are about directing it away from the genitals up the spine or down the legs or down the arms so that it becomes a more full-bodied uh, experience of, of energy because it's really easy in lovemaking to go straight for the genitals or straight for the erogenous zones and, and um, that sends you on a wild ride, but it often doesn't activate the whole body. So... Um, it, the touch itself, itself uh, doesn't start with the genitals, but the energy, the, it, the touch starts with the edges of the body, the feet, the hands, the arms, the legs, the back, the neck, the head, uh, and moves in towards the genitals. Um, and, but what's happening is that touch, you're awakening the, the um, outer perimeters of the body, the, the meridians that flow so that when you do go to the genitals the energy is the energy pathways are open and ready for that energy to flow so it flows out and it gets much bigger because it has a much the energy has a place to go if you're if your body's not awakened if you're if you've got tight muscles uh, around a lot of people tighten their legs or their belly or their butt or everything around the pelvis and it keeps all the pleasure very localized and it makes it really intense but it, you can't 
hold as much pleasure in that small area as you can in the whole body. So the the whole body, uh, if you pay, do pay attention with touch and um, awakening the outer edges of the body, um, it's uh, it's a much more fulfilling experience. I was I was just talking with my partner uh, recently about how when that when we do that and really give ourselves enough time to awaken the whole body, I I feel like when when I do let the sexual energy start really roaring, I feel like I'm in the middle of a sun that's in supernova. It just <laughs> it's like this big ball of light that just keeps expanding outward in all directions. But if if it's one of those quick kind of things, it's like there's a rocket that goes up, but the rest of my the shell of my body gets left behind. So, I see. Um, yeah. Well, Satya, we're, we're going to need to take a break. Um, uh, okay. But when we come back, um, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the role that orgasm plays uh, in the energetics of lovemaking. Also, if it's important uh, beyond just pleasure, you know, uh, or mm-hmm. maybe it's more about, you know, uh, it, or their health benefits of pleasure, that, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. I want to go there a little bit, too. Uh, when we get back. Uh, But first, I have a message uh, from Joe Carson. Hello. Let me say a few things about Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia an exploration of Earth-based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. Here is Drusilla Pettibone on Dearmist.com. I was truly touched and even awed by the film. I really appreciate that there is so much substantive information to digest. For example, the info about hinges and tracing the horizon line is all new to me and totally fascinating. The film was very beautiful and I was amazed how it was able to capture so many of the descriptions visually and seamlessly connect vintage footage with modern. I especially loved when images were dynamically superimposed on each other, like the lace with the water and the dancing in the flowering meadow. A visual feast and with so many layers. I am also pleased to have been introduced to Monica Shu and her work. It's so important for pagans to become aware of our heritage It seems easily lost among so many new books, and the film really brought me home in a new way. Dancing with Gaia is available at dancingwithgaia.com. you about the Divine Feminine app uh, in case uh, you've forgotten to check it out, uh, especially because as a benefit to our listeners, uh, you can click uh, on Upgrade 
membership on the Divine Feminine app and use the code Sacred Feminine to get uh, 90 day access to entering your own featured events uh, that will be sent to local users. So yeah, Divine Feminine app is a great resource to help you find local sacred circles, events, and resources in your area. And it's been around since 2016, so uh, it's been out there for a long time. In fact, recently I was telling the woman who uh, runs the app, wow, I didn't know there were so many sacred feminine, divine feminine uh, events happening out there, retreats and uh, all sorts of wonderful things, including other podcasts uh, like my own. So anyway... um, you know, do your, you know, do it for yourself. Uh, go take a look at Divine Feminine App, and even if um, uh, you already know what's going on in your local community, uh, this will tell you about things happening other places where you can actually attend virtually. So again, it's the Divine Feminine App, and uh, make sure you, uh, you know, you join. It's easy. It's free, and. Um, you know, get that uh, 90-day access to entering your own events if you have something going on that you want other people in your area to find out about. Uh, Also, uh, you know, I've been talking about my new book that came out in January, Normalizing Abuse. Uh, The subtitle is A Commentary on the Culture of Pervasive Abuse. You know, it's kind of a synthesis of... um, observation of why we humans do the things we do uh, to either perpetuate uh, or uh, accept abuse and exploitation, uh, to be able to uh, recognize it when we see it so that we can reject it and heal from the trauma that uh, may be a result of having lived through some abuse or exploitation. Uh, It also has real-life stories in the book. Um, It talks about... um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the way we have just sanitized and whitewashed, uh, you know, abuse and exploitation harm uh, that's done to us uh, in society. Um, and it talks about it so we can better recognize it and um, acknowledge the trauma that results from it. Because if we don't, um, uh, you know, it, it, we have to realize that it can affect us. It affects us psychologically, it affects our outlook, it affects the choices we make. So uh, please do go uh, check out Normalizing Abuse. You can uh, read about it on my website, karentate.net, or you can uh, read about it on Amazon. It's got lots of wonderful reviews. It's uh, got like a 4.9 rating, and um, I appreciate those of you who have reached out to me and uh, said what a difference it has made. you know, maybe even encourage you to uh, seek counseling or uh, start to plan your exit strategy to uh, get out of an abusive situation uh, or even just, uh, you know, reassess maybe things that have happened in your life, you know, those pebbles in your shoe that, um, you know, you know, just just make life difficult when, you know, we really are all entitled to a better quality of life. So, yeah, please go there. Take a look if you haven't already. Uh, it's called Normalizing Abuse, and you can find it at my website, KarenTate.net. You can purchase it through Amazon and either a uh, 
ebook or uh, a paperback. And if you do read it and you do have some feedback for me, I would really love to hear from you um, because I really wrote it uh, to help people. And, um, you know, for us to have those aha moments and know when um, abuse is happening in our lives so we stop wearing blinders. Because I do talk about it not just among family and friends and culture and society, but we take a look at abuse in academia. You know, who are the gatekeepers preventing you from um, all the knowledge that might be beneficial for you to have, uh, which is part of that little piece I'm going to read for you later. Uh, I, we talk about the abuse on the job uh, in corporations and religions, um, uh, in the media, in government, uh, lots of different areas to um, you know, actually examine things that happen every day that we just accept as normal or say just, that's just the way it is, where if we really got down to it, you know, we would recognize it uh, as actually abuse. So um, that's all I'll say about that for now. But please stay with me uh, after the interview with uh, Satya Leela talking about the energetics of love play uh, because I think you'll enjoy the piece I have for you uh, called Knowledge is Power. So Satya, um, let's, um, you know, let's get back on our topic here and uh, talk a little bit about... Um, uh, you know, having a, uh, you know, experiencing the energetics of love play or or love making, um, aside from the pleasure that we might derive from it, uh, is it, you know, it, is there more to it than that in terms of why it's important um, as humans in these bodies that we inhabit? Yes, it's um, pleasure um, is. Uh, uh, an amazing it's like a catalyst uh, it it turns it turns on our bodies and gets us open to um a a larger flow where can there's like universal flows that uh happen here um on this planet and um we when we're it activated uh, which pleasure does uh, when we're activated we we align with those flows and everything flows more freely and easily things go better you uh, you uh, run into somebody that you needed to see and just at the perfect time or you, somebody calls you when you just thought about them or um, you know that's kind of synchronistic events happen and things just go more easily and um, it, it, your mind is happier you know there, uh, there's the, uh, the physical aspect of, of the endorphins that get released when you're in pleasure and, and particularly orgasmic pleasure the, the, it changes the way the mind thinks and what, what the mind is thinking is what we're creating. So if the mind is happy and singing and ah, this is things are so great, then we're we're going to be attracting things that are so great. We're going to attract the same vibration that we're resonating on, and so it it raises our vibration. Um, also physically, 
Uh, I used to be a chiropractor before I got into teaching sacred sexuality. And um, I, what I noticed when uh, in the practices, the breathing practices, that um, there's a um, movement of the spine that um, happens when you let go and allow the um, energy to move through your body. There's, um, um, there's, there's a kind of undulating movement that happens kind of naturally with the spine. And it is, it's like an incredible, it's like a chiropractic treatment. It's, it's loosening up all the nervous system, the central, you know, the, the central nervous system is in the spine and the nerves then go out to the organs and the muscles all the way to the hands and feet. Everything um, in the body comes from the spine. And the spine naturally moves when you start uh, activating this energy. So um, it's, it's uh, optimizing the function of your body when your nervous system is mobilized like that. Uh, so even on a tangible physical sense, there is, you know, the energy is affecting the physical in that way through the nervous system. The nervous system is a, is a place where the energy interfaces with the physical body. So um, uh, there was a time with, in that relationship I mentioned at the beginning of the, um, of the um, interview uh, with um, my former partner was a, a chiropractor, and he and I were both chiropractors, and we, we were in a very dysfunctional relationship, and when we were fighting, I would get this pain in my back, that, and no matter how much he adjusted it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't um, heal. But if we, had, if we made love, it, the energy moving through it would heal because it, the, the energetics, it was right behind my heart. And my heart was aching, and it was showing up in a physical way. So, so that was um, that was. That's you know, another, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so let me ask you. I, I mean, I, I would imagine everyone would benefit from this. But is is there any any type of you know any kind of person in particular that um, you know you'd say this is absolutely spot on for them? Yeah, yeah, there are people who are highly sensitive. I'm highly sensitive. That's that's why I had to work with this. Uh, highly sensitive people, uh, it's a blessing and a curse because the curse, is, the blessing is you can feel so much more. But the curse is if you feel it and it's not quite right, it feels awful. <laughs> so, uh, so it. That's one of the things that I really worked with in the past few years was how do you line up hooking up energy with another person uh, in a way that feels good and how do you know if, if you how do you correct it if it's off course and how do you communicate about it and all that kind of stuff so so um, I, I I love working with really sensitive people because um, it. It take, it's so easy to um, to get what's going on for them. Um, it's so easy for them to get what's going on um, and uh, to to learn 
different ways of approaching each other and connecting with each other and changing it from something that is repulsive to something that is incredibly attractive and um, pleasurable. So that that that's a re- it's a really good match. Um, also, people, go ahead. Did you want to say something? Well, I well no. Go ahead. Finish. Go ahead and finish because I was going to ask. Go on to another question. Oh, okay. Um, people in long-term relationships who are bored with doing the same old thing. This adds a whole new dimension to explore that is infinitely fascinating. You can do the very same physical acts day after day, and it's different every time because the energy is different. And um, okay, like I'm yeah, like I mentioned before, people well, with body issues. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it, it, and um, we're we're starting to run out of time. Uh, and I know okay. you. Um, I, I believe you said that uh, you had a a free bundle of guided connection meditations and uh, tips for enhancing yeah. uh, your sexual communion for folks that maybe want to, uh, you know, start to actually look into this a little bit more closely. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about what you're offering. And how they would, re- you know, how they would claim that um, that gift you're offering. Okay. Uh, yes, I, I do have a, a bundle of free guided meditations. They're um, beautifully beautiful music and my voice. Um, a couple of them are guided couple interactions where it uh, helps you sink into um, a deeper connection. And then there's one that's a solo practice for women to, called Spark Your Sexual Vitality, which, which is um, uh, guide, pretty obvious, help you spark your sexual vitality. And uh, I also um, um, offer a free sexual communion gateway session if you'd like to talk to me in person and explore more deeply. It's, it's a 45-minute to an hour um, consultation that, on the phone. And uh, in that time, I help you get clear about what your challenges are with your sexuality and what your vision is for what you'd like. And I'll give you my uh, best recommendations for how you can get started with doing that. And it's very low pressure. I'm not going to try to sell you on something that you don't want. I just want to be of service. And if I can be of service to you, I would recommend it. But I don't always recommend it if if I don't have anything to offer. So um, you can you can. Uh, there are links to both of those offers: the meditation bundle and the free session um, in the write up to the. Um, uh, this interview, and you can find them at my website, which is satyalila.info. Okay, and if uh, folks are seeing um, the write-up for the website uh, from my webpage, karentate.net, um, I believe uh, the links are there uh, as well uh, for you to find them. And if by any chance you have any problems at all, um, claiming this uh, wonderful free gift or uh, reaching Satya Leela, please just reach out and um, uh, I will certainly make sure 
you uh, you know you get in touch. And um, and Satya is actually going to be back here on the show uh, in the not too distant future. So you want to make sure uh, you go to Blog Talk and uh, and hit the follow button or. Um, Make sure you follow my website, KarenTate.net, so that uh, um, you know you'll hear when she returns. So, Satya, um, I want to leave you with the final word. Um, it feels like there was so much more we could have talked about, but um, time flew. Um, what would be, um, you know, maybe a parting thought you'd want to leave with listeners? Um, I would like to say that it is never too late to have a yummy sexual energy, either with yourself or with a partner or both. It's never too late. Okay, well, you know, leave us on a hopeful note. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, you know, it, it really is important, you know. I mean, I I have often thought if um, our society was not the way it is, if we didn't have this you know, this patriarchal society that denies the body, that denies the feminine, that denies uh, sacred sexuality. You know, we would maybe have, um, you know, sacred temples where people could go mm-hmm. and learn this and it would be commonplace and it wouldn't be taboo and it wouldn't be full of shame. And just imagine yeah. the difference in our quality of life, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh well, yes, when we rebuild society, yes. we'll have to put this on our, uh, you know, on our list. <laughs> uh-huh. well, Satya, thank you, thank you so much for what you did share, and um, I look forward to you coming back. And uh, I hope listeners go to your website so they can delve a bit deeper. Great, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to connect. Okay, Satya, thank you, and bye for now. Bye bye. Okay, um, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm sorry we couldn't really get into it uh, too much more, but uh, we're getting close uh, on time here. And I promised that I was going to share with you this uh, little excerpt from uh, one of the chapters of my book, um, and uh, it's called uh, uh, it's called Knowledge is Power, and uh, and it goes like this: Knowledge is power. Who are your gatekeepers? I grew up in the Bible Belt at the South, in New Orleans to be exact. I escaped much of the dogma that comes from growing up Southern, but not all of it. Perhaps because New Orleans was where we have Mardi Gras, the Vieux Carré, and our mantra is let the good times roll. I lived in the Vieux Carré, or French Quarter, for several years, and in one apartment complex, my husband and I were the only hetero couple. Our neighbors were all gay, lesbian, or trans. We'd see them in the hallways and local restaurants, or often we worked side by side with them. We didn't think much about their lifestyles being abominations, as some people think. They were just our friends and neighbors, and we knew them as people trying to live their lives. Well, uh, what might surprise you is I didn't escape the ideas uh, that permeate the South, the ideas of racism and white supremacy. I actually bought into the welfare queen stereotype, riding around in her Cadillac, collecting her numerous welfare checks. I would have voted for David Duke, the KKK Grand Wizard for governor, given the chance. 
And I actually believed Fox News was news and Rush Limbaugh was king. You see, we didn't have an alternative voice where I lived. And I cringe now when I think about it, but it's useful to remember and share because people can change when they're better educated. But we didn't get a well-rounded education because knowledge is power and lets you see through the lies and agendas. We didn't learn the realities of the Civil War. We never heard about Juneteenth or corporate welfare or trickle-down economics. We learned from the religious, political, and cultural gatekeepers deciding what went into the local history books and the only guys that were free on television was Fox News, other channels you had to pay for. White male authority was a given, and women submitted to it without question. I think some liked the idea of being cared for and not having to have the responsibility of being at the helm. They told us we were special, and they were caring for us by making decisions for us. We shouldn't worry our pretty little heads. Be feminine, not feminist or feminazis. Be what men want. Girls were conditioned to wait for that white knight that would ride in, sweep us up, and take us away so our life might begin. We were conditioned to be passive like Mary, the mother of Jesus, a selfless intermediary to God, a lowly and sexless female who birthed a God but was not a God herself. As I think back, I wonder about the other unconscious messages that seeped in, sitting in those uncomfortable pews in church, looking up at the suffering and dying Jesus on the altar, planted in our brains as he, as he was there dying on the cross. We were told we should want to be like him, selfless, suffering, sacrificing. Even Buddhists are schooled in the idea, life is suffering. If that's the message we get from authority figures, our teachers, or men who are supposed to be talking to God, what does that do to our psyches? Are we conditioned or brainwashed to endure suffering and abuse? Well, I think so. Don't these messages encourage us to accept exploitation and misuse at the hand of others as normal and just the way things are? And maybe, will we think, just maybe, the suffering and sacrifice is okay and acceptable because it's our ticket to heaven. Well, I say what a crock, what a con, simply diabolical brainwashing. Knowledge is power and lack of knowledge is simply normalized and insidious abuse and exploitation. Well, that about does it for me. Uh, for today. Uh, if you like that reading and want to hear more like that, pick up my book, Normalizing Abuse, uh, or you know, look into a little bit more at my website, karentate.net, and you can buy it at Amazon. So uh, as I close today's show, um, I think I'll leave you with um, what Carol wrote, Carol Christ wrote uh, way back in 1979, Four Reasons Women Need Goddess. Number one, um, women need goddess because it affirms and legitimizes the beneficence of female power. Number two, it affirms the female body and its life cycles. Number three, it's about the affirmation of women's will. And number four, 
It's the affirmation of women's bonds with one another and their positive female heritage. And if you want to read a little bit more about all of that and go into it into depth, um, just Google Carol Christ, Reasons Why Women Need the Goddess. All right, dear listeners, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Tell your friends about the show. Uh, Please uh, check out my website, karentate.net. And if you'd like to uh, receive my monthly newsletter, you can sign up for it there as well. Uh, You can also buy me a cup of coffee. If you scroll all the way down um, on the home page, you can make a donation to help me be able to continue my work. Because, you know, I don't make any money doing the radio show. This is a labor of love. Uh, It's a service to the community. And uh, so much of what I do, um, you know, is, you know, just a direct service to the community. So if it's made a difference in your life, if you've enjoyed it, if you think it's worthwhile, help me keep doing what I'm doing. All right, then. And uh, as always, I like to close with uh, an homage to uh, Sekhmet, the lion-headed Egyptian goddess who teaches women to have courage, strength, tenacity, and to have healthy boundaries. Bye for now. See you next Wednesday. <laughs>